Hey. Welcome everybody to the Minimap Cast. This is Minimap.com.au's weekly games podcast, your favorite weekly games podcast. My name is Gary Palmer, and joining me this week is Jeremy Bradditon. Why are you laughing, Jeremy? Professional as always. You totally didn't start talking with your mic muted. Seconds. How did that sound? Did it sound like normal? No. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I started talking like shit. My mic. <laughs> I just kept going. I was like, "What's up, everybody?" I'm like, welcome everybody. Welcome everybody to the <laughs> fucking hell yeah, <laughs> wonderful, excellent. Sorry, no notes. Sorry for that, everyone. No notes. Uh, my name's Kerry. Uh, Jeremy's over there. It's yeah. mini map. Yeah. Welcome. Yeah. Jeremy, I saw you this weekend. Sure I came did. over and saw your new place, complete with fridge. I didn't even pay attention to the fridge. I feel I feel like I neglected the place now that I think about it. It's not one of the more attention grabbing appliances in the home, but yeah. No, but it is attention grabbing when you don't have one. Yeah. Yeah. Which I guess is a testament to how, how much vers- you have one that how, I hardly noticed. It. How, how versatile the humble fridge is. Exactly. Uh but I didn't talk to you about a certain topic. And I didn't talk to you about it on the day that it was announced. But I would love to talk to you about it at the start of the podcast to, to kick up, kick our episode off with a little bit of uh, healthy Sony rage. How do you feel about that Last of Us Part 2 remaster announcement, Jeremy? Oh, I think it is mighty bold for a company like Sony to release a game that is based on the, uh, the conflict between Israel and Palestine um, in this day and age to announce that they want to remake it. Um, while also the no, le- no, re- remastered, remastered, remastered. Um, their their intent to release a remaster of a game that handles that 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 whole situation extremely poorly, considering that um, the director of the game um, is uh, extremely pro Israel. I think that's a really bad fucking decision, Sony. That you shouldn't do that. I think that realistically, that game doesn't need a remaster anyway. Right. Um, but also, like, one of the things they're adding is, like, <laughs> deleted scenes, lost levels. I'm like, no! I, 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 have, I, have, like, I don't want more content in this game! Like, all of that. Like, it's like it's it's a bad decision. The the, the There's a really great article um, written by Emmanuel yes. uh, Mayberg um, where he talks to Druckmann about it, and Druckmann talks about how, like, he positioned um, the two, uh, like... The two sides in that game, um, being the WLF and the Seraphites, um, as his own take on uh, Israel and Palestine, and that, like, because like talking about like his time while he was like over there, um, and yeah. he's got uh, the wrong read on that situation. Um, he doesn't know he he he. he it's a bad thing that he did when doing that game. It was right. the wrong way to do it. Um, and I think that sucks. And he's also getting a Lifetime Achievement Award at the same time. Um, so, you know, everything's going really great over in the video games industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, that article, by the way, was written for Waypoint over on Vice. It's called The Not-So-Hidden Israeli Politics of The Last of Us Part Two, yep. written by Emmanuel mayberg as you said yeah um came out when the game did or or a month after the game did in 2020 i remember reading it then i haven't read it since and i need to read it now um to sort of refresh myself on it uh especially in the context of the conflict that's happening today over there i'm not looking forward Um, to that second season almost at all um 
especially based on that. Like, I think they're going to fuck it up worse. Like, I think the politics mm. of the first game is already fucked. The politics of that world is already fucked. But, like, I think that they are not going to do it any, any better. And I think that um, Druckmann doesn't have the chops to actually write that story because he's he's too close to Israel and doesn't... You know, when you're that close to Israel, you don't treat Palestinians with any respect. Um, and that is really bad. And yeah, I, it's no and, fun. And it's not good. Fuck that game. <laughs> like at this point in my life, like fuck that game. I thought about because I I started replaying it earlier this year, mm. and I won't ever do that again. Yeah, I was replaying it until Armored Core came out, and then I was thinking the other day about how I put that disc in my PS5 and it hasn't left, and I haven't gone to start playing something and been like, oh, the disc isn't in there. I have to go get it. Yeah. And the last thing I put, the last disc I had in there was Last was Part Two, and I just haven't wanted to go back. And I was even like coming off the back of part one like i got the platinum and i wanted to like move past like get to that replay of part two and synthesize my feelings on the sequel and i just stalled on it and i haven't missed it at all yeah yeah uh yeah i just i just wanted to bring that up i to be i i do want to point out i am i think a roguelike mode for the gameplay of that game is cool i like the, the stealth and combat systems of that game and i think a rogue or a survival mode for that game is kind of neat in that sense. I think an upgrade for it is better than a full $125 remake price tag. Like that's quite, that's much better than it could have been, but it doesn't, it doesn't change any of those direction issues. <laughs> the fact that there is a, a, a like a, an underlying Zionist message throughout that game. And it's like a full- Along with the fact that it's also, I think, one of Naughty Dog's weaker games. It's also like four years old. Like it came out the same year as the PS5. Yeah. It's closer to three years old because it was only, uh, it's three and a half. It yeah. was, was mid 2020. Yeah. Yeah. It's not that old. It doesn't really need a remaster. Like it's so funny that we had The Last of Us Part 2 come out right before the PS5. And then they brought out The Last of Us Part 1 remake as a like, oh, bring it up to the standards of. Uh, on the PS5 and making it look more like The Last of Us Part 2. And now they're bringing The Last of Us Part 2 up to the standards of part... Like, it doesn't make any sense. No, and it looks almost identical. Like, it was one of those few times where, like, I'm, like, looking at the side-by-sides. Yeah. I'm like, I like, which one is which? I told Sam that they announced it, and they're like, oh, okay. And, we, and, you know, they listened to this, and they were like, oh, that'll be interesting. Like, you know, they haven't really... It'll be interesting to see if they've done anything... And, and and I was like, you know, good point. Let's look up a comparison. And <laughs> found one from like Game Explain, and they showed the like the before screen and the after screen, and we both started laughing because yeah. we couldn't notice any difference. Yeah, it was yeah. so funny. Uh, anyway, that's just a little a little topic kickoff there for you. We are going to talk about. A few things today. Uh, last week, I had I had almost finished Armored Core Six. Um, this week, I have played an entire playthrough plus. I'm on my third playthrough of Armored Core Six as of last night. Um, and so, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about a new company called uh, Lethal, a new game called Lethal Lethal Company. And then we're also going to talk about the year 1998 and the game, The Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time, and how it's its anniversary this week. Uh, basically, or more or less, and and, well. and yeah, also discuss other games from 1998 and how stacked a year that was. It's going to be a, just a nice, 
a nice episode. I'm really excited to talk about Lethal Company, actually. Um, before we get into that, we'll just get through a bit of rigmarole. Thank you for joining us. This is the Minimapcast from minimap.com.au's Weekly Games Podcast. Uh, this podcast goes live on all podcast platforms every Wednesday with 24 hours of early access given to all of our wonderful patrons. More on that in just a second. If you like what you're hearing, make sure to tell your friends or give the show a positive rating wherever you listen to us or watch us. It makes a huge difference and it only takes a few seconds. Uh, if you want to get notified every time an episode is released uh, or if we show anything, if we release anything else onto the website, you can follow our social accounts. That's uh, MinimapAU on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and also Twitch, where we are live every Monday night, 7.30 p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time for the live recording of the Minimap cast. You can also find Minimap on Blue Sky with the same, uh, just the, with the website name, minimap.com.au, and you'll find the website. Uh, you'll find the social account there on Blue Sky. Um, but yeah, if you're hanging out with us live on chat while we record the podcast, uh, you can hang out with us in the live chat. It's before and during and after the recording. Uh, yeah, it's always a fun time. We wanted to say thank you to Shook for letting us use the Moog Model D improv as the music for the Minimap cast. You can listen to more of Shook's music at shook.bandcamp.com. And finally, well, actually not finally, second to final, because I've got one last thing to add to the rigmarole. Um, but if you wanted to support Minimap, uh, keep in mind, we are completely independent and funded almost entirely out of our own pockets. And so if you wanted to help us, to help us keep the mics and lights on, you can support us by becoming one of our patrons for only four... Ah, I really stumbled over the start of that one. Let me try that again. For only $5 a month, you get 24 hours of early access for all episodes of the Minimap cast, some extra bonus features we're planning on cooking up, and more. Head on over to patreon.com slash minimapau if you wanted to help us out there. And remember... To sub to us over there, it's cheaper than a latte with oat milk. And actually, finally, last week, if you were listening, you'll remember I alluded to something very vaguely that confused the absolute <laughs> hell out of Jeremy. Uh, the, the the reason it, uh, the reason I was so confused is because it, it it had actually it was public. It wasn't a thing that was not announced. Well, that's a good point. It wasn't <laughs> announced that we that people who was a part of it, just yeah, that it was happening. I guess, but. A uh, friend of the show, Shane Bailey, who runs things over at the Game on uh, Cancer uh, Foundation over there, um, supporting cancer research through the medium of games, uh, is running a fundraising event this weekend on Saturday, uh, which would be the 25th, I believe, yes, uh, live on Twitch on his YouTube channel, which is a Halo 2 table read of all the cutscenes and also some of the uh, important bits of dialogue from the game as well. Uh, and Jeremy and I are taking part in that. We are playing two of the three prophets of the Covenant, as well as some other miscellaneous characters. I'm playing the Prophet of Mercy, and uh, Jeremy is playing the Jeremy is playing the Prophet of Regret. So yes. that's going to be a really fun time. It's a charity event. It's a so feel free to come in and support the game on uh, charity um, through the event. Uh, or just come out and support the event, or just come and hang out, and I think it's going to be a really fun time. There's a lot of other creators who are uh, the many other voices there. I think there's 14 people uh, who are going to be uh, participating on the day. It's going to be a really, really, really fun time. I was practicing my my raspy old man prophet voice today because uh, Prophet of Mercy is a very withered prophet because there's the main prophet who talks a lot in that game, Prophet yeah, of Truth. Truth, yeah. And he, he's like a Jeremy Irons sort of like middle-aged British like man. And then there's my guy who's, who's, 
he's all like talking like this except in like an american accent and, and, and like a like he's got a bit of presence but also he's very past his prime um so <laughs> i did some practice today and i was walking around afterwards i was like I don't think I did that in a way that like a voice actor would, because my throat feels. <laughs> yeah, you got, you, got, you got to get you got to get it from lower. You don't want it in the throat. You want it in like the diaphragm. That's the thing. And yeah. I was trying to do that because his voice has got a bit of presence down there too. Anyway, anyway, you can come watch us try putting on accents and voices at the same time. Say some of our favorite lines from some of the best cutscenes in the Halo franchise. Uh, it's going to be a really good time. That's midday, I believe. Uh, this Saturday, 25th of November. Um, so that should be Friday evening American time, midday Australian time, yeah. or in the morning if you're on the West Coast, I guess. Uh, and yeah, come and check us out. It's going to be really fun. Um, can, can you give and us Yes, a, that was what I was alluding to last week. Can you, can you give us a tease? <laughs> of what? The Prophet of Mercy? Yeah, yeah. Can you do like um, you do one line? Well, uh, oh, hang on. I had it pulled up before. <laughs> um. Uh, there's the first line he says, which is, why was it not destroyed with the rest of their fleet? Hang on. Let me see if I can j- go straight into it. He says, um, uh, why was it not destroyed with the rest of their fleet? It's pretty good. That's pretty good. It's not bad. Yeah. It's not bad. I'll, yeah. I'll warm up prior. So I, I'm going to be like, I'm going to like be in the zone. Yeah. yeah but I've also yeah. got to be like a random soldier on the deck who says like, you targets on the deck, sir. Or something like that. I yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a bunch of that. Yeah. It's going to be a good time. Yeah. I'm very excited. Uh, so yeah. Uh, now, Jeremy, Kerry, I am ex- I am very very excited to talk about Armored Core Six and mm-hmm. my journey with that game this last week. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have something more pressing to discuss. So. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, during the week, last week, uh, <laughs> no, at the end of the week, I don't remember it was, it was who said. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, Ollie was like, oh, I think we should play this game. Someone mentioned it, and it sounds like it could be fun. And it's only 15 bucks. It's like, oh, all right, whatever. We'll do that Friday night. So yep. you and me and Ollie and our friend Will, we all jumped onto a game called Lethal Company, which has just launched into early access. Um, I saw the trailer. I was like, oh, yeah, I saw a few clips from this earlier this week. Um, it seems like a really silly time. It's like a it's like a lo-fi, like you kind of got like a, a weird pixely low like grainy film visual aesthetic to everything um it's a a multiplayer uh looter horror experience you land on planets and you you have to salvage stuff from these facilities to uh then sell back to the company to meet your quota each two or three days um and that allows you to buy equipment like flashlights and walkie-talkies and and boomboxes and, yeah. and new suits. And and then you go into more facilities. Or you can then pay the fees to uh, get into other facilities that cost more money to get into. And it's a whole thing. Um, that sounds simple. It kind of it kind of is like, just that yeah, like simple. The, the, the loop the loop is simple. It is it is like a cross between um like Among Us style cooperative communication and phasmophobia. Yeah, with no deception really. You're not yeah. there's no hidden roles. No 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 but like that that style of like cooperative game where like you know communication will disappear depending on if you die, etc. And phasmopho- phasmophobia is the other one where it's like that loop of like yeah. you gotta you're there to you're there to like to do jobs basically. Um and yeah. the, the world is there to to, to fuck you up. 
the thing about this one compared to Phasmophobia, and I haven't played Phasmo, but the thing with Phasmo is that it's like proper, actually scary. Like, yeah. it's it's really scary. Yeah, it's a horror game. And this game is too, but it's also just so funny. It's just so fucking hilarious yeah. at every turn. And so we like you. The, you know, the loop is you. You land on a planet. You go into the facility. You know, there might be like electric bees in front of you that you have to avoid, or like, or like uh, quicksand pits that you don't want to fall into because you'll die, or you'll, or like a, if you drown, then you drown. And, yeah. And you get to the facility, and you go in there, and you find like sheet metal and wheels and and stop signs, and then you take it back to your ship and whatever. As the day goes on, like the, the time of day on the planet, you probably get like 10 minutes on each planet before it becomes like midnight and the ship leaves on its own. Um, and as the day goes on, the out, the outside of the planet becomes more and more dangerous. And as the sun sets, usually more monsters come out. So it becomes harder and harder to get back to the ship without dying. Also, in every facility, there are creatures. Yes. Monsters of many varying types. Yeah, there's a bunch that there's, we didn't see as well. Yes, so many we didn't see. For example, there's just times where it's like, oh, there's spider webs in here. The kind of really big spider webs. I bet there's a big spider. Oh, fuck, that's a big spider. Yeah. And then you have to like run or like keep it away from your friends or find your friends because they put the light and your light went out because you didn't charge it or whatever. Like that's the loop. And like, I I just want to like lay the groundwork here because really what this game was, we didn't stop playing for four and a half hours. No, no. It was just... I'll let you talk. Oh well, like it just like I'm like it. It also helped that we were all getting very drunk while we were playing. Um, but like the there was a like it is a, it is a wonderful stage, um, to to, like, so because because the like the the structure of the game is like when you die you can like you your like communication gets cut off, um, and it's permadeath per like level basically, and then you come back anew again, um. And they do like kind of the, um, like the 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 setting is that like corpo fantasy like um, uh, what's that fucking roguelike where that's like a two D three D roguelike um I can't remember the name of it um or or even like Deep Rock Galactic like it's kind of that like you know everything yeah. is about the corporation that you're working uh-huh. for and you got to like go back to the corporation it's just like cosmic horror monolith with like a some eldritch monster on the other side of it um yeah we we couldn't stop playing um because it was it was so fun and funny and it it knows that there's a sense of humor in in all of these deaths and and in all of this like uh lo-fi horror aesthetic but it was a game that also allowed you to have a tremendous amount of fun with that Mm-hmm. Um, and would like, it gives you the 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 breathing space to actually explore different types of like playing in it. Um, for example, like when you when you sell stuff, you then get money, so you can buy equipment, so you can buy things like walkie talkies, or you can buy torches. Um, and when you buy them, um, like if you say you get like two walkie talkies and there's four of you, it means that you sort of need to be using local proximity chat. Um, and sort of go in, 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 like use the buddy system as you, as you venture, venture into these like decrepit facilities mm-hmm. and one person can walkie talkie to the other person, but only the person with the walkie talkie can hear, yeah. um, 
which Ollie found infinitely hilarious. Oh, it is very funny. Um, like, it is generally funny, but Ollie particularly vibed with that. So there's a lot of, like, hey, can you tell the other group that this is happening? Or, like, are the other group still alive or whatever? And so there's oftentimes this, like, um, layered communication that is happening where someone is, like, like, oh, what have you found? And they're like, quick, like, tell me what they found. And like, I don't know, I'm trying to find out what they found. Um, which is very realistic to real life in that sense. Um, and makes for the, makes for role playing kind of uh, like a bit more, um, a little bit more intuitive. You're immediately role playing yeah. as, as yourself in these situations because of all of that. Like, what would you do in this situation? Um, but that also, again, leaves even more room for tremendous jokes. Like if you have a car horn or a boombox, or you find just some items that just make general noise or like a laser pointer. Yeah. Or a laser pointer, but like, but specifically like, like ones in noise, On the sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like they will travel through the walkie talkie when the other person is using it. Um, in a way that is both funny and annoying and hilarious all at once, yep. which is just like made for a tremendously hilarious time. Um, like there were so many times where like when you, you to get to open the door into the facility, it's like a, a distinct clear cut. Like you can hear things inside the facility and then you hold E on the door for like a second and then you're outside and it's yeah. a clear cut. You could hear things inside and now you're outside and you couldn't hear anything in there anymore. And yeah. like vice versa, you couldn't hear anything outside. Now you can hear outside. And so like you could all be running from a monster and you get to the door first and everyone's like, oh my God, oh my God. And you open the door and it's like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then everyone emerges is like, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. like just that that little, just those little ways of, of seeing it happen. Like, it's just so funny. Or even the ability to, you get a you get a, uh, a local area top-down view of each of the characters when you're inside the ship on screens. Yeah. Um, and so you can have someone in the back of the ship with a walkie-talkie telling you like, hey, in the next room, there's like a villain around the corner. Um, you know, don't go in there. And then you see the red dot run over to where the character is and you get a very basic top-down mini-map view of um the like of of the of your teammates positions mm -hmm. and suddenly you can hear like you like your buddy being like hey like like oh fuck where are they where are they, where are they? and you like oh they're, they're in the left room in the left room and you see the red dot run over to the little blue dot which is your buddy and then suddenly your buddy is no longer talking to you anymore because they've been killed mm -hmm. and the red dot and the blue dot are now suddenly moving together because mm -hmm. the, the the monster is dragging um, your friend around or rather dragging their body around. And yep. you're like, oh, they're gone. And you have to make the decision to like, like, is is anyone else left? Like, do, um, yeah. do I just leave? Do or I like try and get inside, their stuff? If you're like inside a facility and you could hear everyone and now you can't hear them, is it because they're dead? Almost always, yes, but Usually. sometimes not. Do you leave them for dead or do you not? You don't know if they're dead or not until you leave. There, there were many times where it went from like, oh, I haven't heard them in 10 minutes, they're probably dead. And then 15 minutes later, like, oh, you're alive. I thought you were dead. There were so many yep. moments of catching up. And then there were also so many moments of, oh, like this person died two minutes into this planet. And yep. I thought they were around the corner for 15 of those minutes. Yeah. And then I and, get back and, then and find the their dead thing body. Of, of when the people die, they then get to spectate and hear all of the local voice communication, but then tab to all the different people. So they start to see all of the, the madness happen. And when two people it. are dead, they can then talk to each other. Yeah, yeah. And it's just so, like, oh, it's so funny. Like, I remember one of the first things that happened was we, we, we looted a bunch of stuff, 
got back to the ship. We hadn't found Will in a while and we ordered a flashlight and the, the deliveries come in a delivery system. Um, so big, it starts playing really ship. eerie music. Yeah. yeah it, it's like a drop pod. Um, it starts playing like ice cream music when it lands and, and the, the flashlight lands and it's getting kind of late. I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm just going to run to the delivery, pick up the stuff and run back in. So I jump out. It's getting kind of dark. I run, I run, I run. I sink, I sink, I sink. I'm in quicksand. I'm dead. And, and you all watch me die. And and Will, all of a sudden, I hear Will laughing. I'm like, he's like, that's what happened to me. I did that straight at the start of the run and none of you noticed. It was like 10 minutes ago. And so we're just laughing there about how we both very, very stupidly ran into that. But it was just so many, so yeah. many funny moments. It's, it's, it's really good for that stuff. It's the kind of stuff that I wish... Um, I, I, like it, like it, Discord is great for a lot of games where like mm. you need to just be able to hear each other all the time, like a lot of competitive games and all the stuff, or even like, you know, when you're playing a or game. Just like hanging out. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, But I, I wish more games had this kind of local chat inside of the game. Um, like local plus proximity. Yes, yeah, yeah. Specifically like, and and like this game also executes on it really well. Like technically mm -hmm. the 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 sound fall off when you're like too far away. The sound um, like reverb when you're in like a really echoey area. The sound of you being over the radio is explicitly different. The mm -hmm. sound of other just natural sounds happening while you're over the radio is explicitly different. Um, there's really good static and a lot of stuff. Th things feel quite tactile and feel quite... Um, like worn and, like and analog and, yeah like and lived in um while also yeah feel, like it feels analog and it feels it's got kind of that like retro future kind of thing that like you might see in like a fallout game um I, I i wish more games played into this type of 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 cooperative play um because it makes for such a a good time um hmm. and like when you've got all of those like toys and you've got all of those interactive like things that can then interact with each other enough. Um, you just like, it, it just like spirals out of control in moments, which is just so fucking funny. Um, there were so many random things that weren't even to do with like, Oh, the monsters or whatever, like the just random parts of how this game works. Yeah. That just makes it funny. There was one moment where I don't know what happened. I think I wanted to drink my wine and, and the ship's pretty small. Yeah. And so when the like doors closed, it's like, there's not really much to do. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, you turn the light switch on and off a couple of times. And everyone's like, Oh, we're the it's like, oh, whatever. And like, I play with a torch. I'm like, well, I got to make sure I charge and I charge and I walk around. I'm like, well, someone's on that machine. There's no room. And I'm, oh, we're still deciding whatever. At one point I went and I walked and I put myself in the corner between the front door and the, the cupboard. And I was just facing the wall in the corner. And, and someone said, oh, what are you doing over there? And I like, turn around and I'm crouched. And above me, someone like I think Ollie walks over. And we all, at this point, we had figured out the like two emotes you get, which is like a little jig, a little dance that you yeah. get. And also pointing. Yes. And so all of a sudden, Ollie walks over and he stands right in front of me, towering over me because I'm crouched. And he points at me. And then he brings out his walkie-talkie and he's like uh, pretending to talk to someone on it, but not really. And then he just starts clicking it on and off. And it's just yeah. like, and then you and Will also both came over and you surrounded me in this corner. Yes. All started pointing at me, mashing your, your walkie talkie buttons, which was just a cacophony of sound and sights. It was very overwhelming. It was very Being funny. so small, looking up at all of these 
like suited men just pointing at me and and making so many very loud sounds. Yeah, I lost it. Yeah, I was laughing so hard yeah, you, you that were, my stomach hurt. It was like I'd been to the gym that day. You were, you were catatonic for a little bit of that. I um, just, I was, it was, it was, uh, I, I don't know why that set me so, I, I think because of how overwhelming it was that you were all just over me. <laughs> the, the, the one that absolutely killed me was. Yes, yes, yes. Um, we, we, had, we had been on the planet for a grand total of three minutes, I think at this point. And yeah, I and didn't like, Will, Will brought us there. He's like, oh, it's a foggy planet. And, and that, we opened the door. It's like, we can't see fucking anything yeah and 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 so and he left yeah yeah so he left and it was ollie and i outside and kerry was in the ship and i had ordered two shovels because i was like well let's see what the shovels are like and so we bought two shovels and we didn't know like what they were for really like something like maybe digging or something but like turns out they're just like melee weapons mm -hmm. um and so i was standing in the middle of this foggy area with ollie and uh he's on the radio to you yeah. And while but you don't have a walkie-talkie. No, no, I don't have a walkie-talkie, so I can't hear what's going on. But all, I just look at Ollie while he's, like, talking to you on the radio, and I'm like, I want to hit you with this shovel. <laughs> and, like, I had thought about this for minutes at this point. I was like, I wonder what happens. And so I just went up to him, and I just, like, you know, Looney Tunes ass, like, bonked him on the head. Yeah. And and at the, at the same time... I well, no, because he he went he went out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ollie went out, and then after I bonked him, you were like, "Did Jeremy hit you with the shuffle?" Almost <laughs> like like comically instantly that he then had to say yes while struggling to breathe because he's laughing so hard, and I can't breathe at this point because I'm laughing so hard. And then you rock up, and I, and you're like, "What are you two idiots doing?" And I look, and I just look at you, and then I just bonk you on the head. <laughs> And that sends you into a fit of laughter. And then you pull out the the fucking clown horn that you found. And you're like, wait, Jeremy, yep. do it again, do it again. And when I hit you on the head that second time, you you honked the clown horn at the exact moment that I <laughs> hit you. And that just, like, I was, I had like a stitch. I couldn't see. I had to take off my glasses. I was <laughs> laughing so, so hard. And Will was dead, so he was just watching was us watching dick around in the fog. <laughs> it was so, so, so funny. Um, the, the, the other time that I remember, which I think is a really good like um, example of the cool stuff that this game can do, um, is uh, we had all been through like this this facility, and it started to get late in the in the evening, so we had to quickly run back to our ship late in game. And as we left this this um, foundry, we had walked across this bridge that would went over this like empty res <laughs> this empty reservoir basically. Yeah. And as as we went over, the bridge started to shake as more and more people went over the bridge. And I was the last one out of the facility, and so I get like three quarters of the way across the bridge, and it just fucking collapses under me. And so I like yell we out. We didn't know it could happen. Yeah, we didn't know this was happening. I was like, this bridge is shaking a lot. And then suddenly it just, like the, the, the ground beneath my feet just disappears. I scream as I fall down this ravine and everyone runs over like, are you okay? Are you okay? And I'm like, I'm alive down here. Yeah. And I look around, I'm like, I found another way into the facility from down here. Yeah. And, and we were trying to leave. We were trying to leave and suddenly I found another entrance and I, was, I went in and it turns out there was nothing. But it was like, it was a really cool like moment where, it was a it was a it was a dynamic moment that was both one very funny and two actually revealed a little bit more of the game for us mm -hmm. as well. It's great. Mm -hmm. It's really good. There's a lot of really intelligent design happening inside of this game that that encourages you to to goof off and and have fun. Yeah, totally.
Totally. And you're right, the proximity chat adds a lot. Like at the very end of the night, we um we all had a, a melee weapon and um we did a what do we call it? We called it the battle royale. Yeah. We 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 all we all landed at the like the the company facility, which is this like foggy landing platform which kind of goes forever. Yeah. Um and we all split off. <laughs> and to, it was to see who could uh last the longest after we all killed each other. Mm. But um <laughs> the thing that was great about that was I Will and I died first, and then when Ollie found you, you you played Jewel of the Fates into your proximity, Mike. Yeah, and then he killed you dead, and it cut off anyway. Yeah, it, just, like, it, it cut it was off just over. instantly, and like and Ollie was the only one that knew it cut off, and it, it kept playing for everyone else because I was died, and, and so suddenly yeah. I was in like the dead chat, still playing the song. Yeah, but to Ollie it would have been like like the the beginning of like the oh, and then just it just instantly cuts the, the moment he hits me with the shovel. <laughs> It was, so it was also the moment where um, I was in the ship with the walkie-talkie guiding all of you, and we at that point we'd installed a horn in the yes, ship. So the it was ship. like a fog horn. It just goes like, yeah. and you could just hear it across the whole map. And they're like, "Oh, we're trying to make it back. Can you blow the horn again?" I'm like, "Yeah, okay, no worries." And I blow the horn, and then I turn around to look at the monitor, and I'm on the walkie-talkie, and I'm like, "Oh, there's a red dot near the ship. Big walking noise." Ah! and and i screamed for much longer than that but like will did a recording of it and we've got this this and that's what it sounded like when i got eaten alive when a monster charged into the ship and killed me dead yeah and so all you hear is me going ah (laughs) and then the walkie-talkie goes like (sighs) yeah it's good it's really good so good the sound design in this game is so is 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 what makes this game honestly like the game is good but like the sound design the communication sound design is is Mm -hmm. so like a step above like almost everything in this space that i can like immediately think of like i know like i think tarkov has got some similar stuff but you don't really have like communication with other people in that game it's mostly just like yeah also like you're you're spending so much time being stealthy that there's not much like by the time you hear sounds often the time oftentimes you're dead yeah like you get some of that in like games like rust and daisy where like you've got proximity chat and you have to actively engage with other players which are more often than not the enemy um yep. and you sort of have to like socially deduce like are you a friend are you a foe are you just someone who's gonna leave um yep. Whereas, like this game is explicitly a cooperative game where you are all working together. Like, there's no mm. there's no enemy combatants. There's no online play where you're playing against um, people who are trying to beat you into this facility or whatever. Mm. Um, it is purely like working together, um, mm. and so you like it's it's so good. It is very yeah. very good. And we didn't even talk about the monsters. Like, it was one time I was walking with. Was it you or Ollie? I was walking and I was walking and and I just heard this sound and all of a sudden someone's grabbed, I think it was Ollie, grabbed his body and I'm watching his dead body being dragged lifeless but like behind behind me and there's this like glowing eyes, like black ghost tentacle monster dragging it through the darkness and I'm screaming. I'm like, oh, Ollie's dead, Ollie's dead. Something grabbed him and I'm like chasing after it and I lose it. And I run to the front door with you and Will. I'm like, Ollie's dead. And, and leading up to this moment, I'd found a hairdryer on the ground yeah! and I was like, hey, Will, turn on your, like, turn on your walkie-talkie and I'll blow the hairdryer through it. Yeah, it'll sound funny on the other side, and we didn't get a response, and we we're like, "What the fuck is going on?" And it's because Ollie yeah. had the walkie-talkie and was killed. 
Yeah. And, so, and then when I walked out and you blowed the hairdryer, I'm like, oh, fuck, I thought that was the monster. Yeah, we, we were playing silly buggers while you had just witnessed a murder. Um, yeah. It's, 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 it's really good like that. Yeah, it's such a good buy. Like, I really recommend anyone who's into that, like, group hangout kind of situation. If you don't mind a bit of spook um, and a bit of silly, it, it it's just, it's so it's such an easy recommend for yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. And it's an early access, so they're going to change it. They're going to add stuff to it. And there's plenty of stuff in it already. Like, oh, man, yeah. I'm so excited to play it again. Yes. Speaking of playing it again. Well, it's, before you go, it's, we're 36 minutes in. Uh huh. Are you are you ten minutes into into this? Is this is this a ten minute thing? I reckon. Okay, cool. Because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spoil the game. So, cool. Go for it. So speaking of playing it again. <laughs> Wait, before you go, is it a ten minute? Yeah. <laughs> I so last week I had gotten very close to the end of Armored Core Six. Uh, this week I have not only finished the game, I finished it a second time last night as well. I've gone through it a whole second playthrough. Um. It's funny because last week I hadn't made the like big like defining like playthrough defining choice. I knew they'd offered it to me. I didn't know what to pick, and I picked one. And, like was doing the final boss fight, and I messaged Jeremy. I said, "I think I picked the wrong one. <laughs> I don't think I like this." <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You picked what I picked. Right. I did wonder that, yeah. and like it's it like it's good, and it's a great boss fight at the end of the game. Do, do you know um, what like, I mean by when they give you the choice? I didn't immediately know which one to do. I did. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I did. And I didn't expect that at all. Like I remember the sitting, reason. The, yeah. Well, I've been thinking about it. Right. And the reason why is because you have like two handlers in the game. You have two people who sort of give you information and are in your corner and offering you jobs. Um, but they're, they're, they're kind of not aware of each other and completely separate from each other. And then you get to this like, like nine tenths of the way through the game landmark moment. And they make you pick between them. And it's kind of a trick, right? Because you're no matter what you have to betray what, one of them it's like a like this it yeah it's it's like it it feels weird and bad no matter what you do yeah um it doesn't mean that it, that the endings you get are bad and if you only play through one i think that's fine um but yeah i was a bit like oh man i think i picked the wrong thing <laughs> like I, I i danced with the one who brought me but also like maybe i shouldn't have <laughs> yeah yeah um but that's not really why i'm bringing it up again i'm bringing it up again because this game I, I really enjoyed my second playthrough because I had, not only did I go start doing the second playthrough and I had all of the extra equipment that's like just flat out better than the equipment you start with. Like you just have more health and, and you're faster and, and more energy efficient weapons and just stronger weapons and all of that. You can breeze through the first few chapters of that game. But then things start changing and all of a sudden you're in one mission and then you get a communication from the other side that you didn't get when you played that mission the first time. And now that runs differently. And all of a sudden you're in a boss fight that's way harder than the fight you did at the end of the game an hour ago. Yeah. And it's like, oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> not, I'm not just going to breeze through until like chapter five. Like they're going to they're gonna change the game and make it dynamic and, and make me want to play each level and try each different thing because there's some, they've got something different to say with every chapter. Just, just little tweaks here and there. It's like in every hour of gameplay, there's a reference or a new boss or a, sometimes even as a whole separate level that you didn't get the first time around. And, it, and it, so that amounts to like one to two hours of different content across a whole 10-hour, 12-hour playthrough. Which is not huge. The rest of it you kind of have done before, but it's it at that point because I'd played it already. Man, I was just so in. 
so into the gameplay. I'm so into the mechanics and the movement and the art and the cutscenes and the the style. I'm just so in. I can't get more into Armored Core right now. I'm so in. Are you going to go back and play any of the previous ones? Oh, they're so inaccessible. I don't know. Um, maybe. I might. But I'm not particularly... They're also old and oh, they're not, they're fussy not, and finicky. They're not super... Like, the most recent ones are not super old. Armored Core 5, yeah. But Armored Core 4 is more like... It's like pre-Dark Souls, isn't it? Uh, and I think people yeah. like the, the 4 series of games more than the 5 games. Uh, well, and I don't, I don't really want to go back to the PS1. PS. I like, I could give them a, a gander, but like, I'm, I'm they, they are four, very hard. Armored Core Four is on the PS3, as is yeah. as is Armored Core Five. five. Yeah. Yes, and then Four Answer as well. The thing is, getting PS3 games is hard now. So like, that's yeah. probably just I'd like like inaccessible in terms of like actually finding that game is probably going to be the hardest thing. Yeah. So I'm I'm honestly not that keen to go back. Um, especially because I'm happy playing this one over and over. And they're not on um, PC. <laughs> oh, they aren't. Yeah, no, 6 is, but yeah. 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 It's been so fun to playing it and seeing all the different stuff and seeing the different challenges. Um, the, the, there was a moment for me in the second playthrough where I was playing a mission from the first chapter that I had originally played back in August. And... You know, after finishing the game, I sort of had an idea of where all the different groups lay and what they had a hand in contributing towards uh, throughout the the gameplay and having a better idea of who they were during those opening missions the second time around. So it it was a bit less hard to... It was easy to to keep a hold of all of the different plot strands and groups and names and all of that. Mm. And then there's this one level that you play the first time around and I played it the second time. I'm like, oh, wait, who the fuck are these guys? Because they turn up in that one level and then you never see them again until the second playthrough. Yep. And then as you keep going, they turn up more than they did in the first time, the second time. Uh-huh. And I still, having played through and completed the game a second time, have no fucking idea who these guys are. And I'm so excited to get through that third time and yep. figure it out and find a few more answers on who does this and what happened to that character. Like a character just disappeared at the end of my second playthrough and is never addressed again, and I don't know what happened to them. It's pretty good. It's so good. I'm so excited. Yeah. I'm so excited to keep playing. Also, I've just had so much fun in this second playthrough playing with my mechs and playing with my loadouts and, like, creating different, like, themed ones, like trying a quadruped and trying a tank build and trying the the more aerodynamic tank build. And then you said you should make a Samus mech, and I did, and it ruled. And then I made a, a really bulky Samus mech that had triple shoulder mounted laser cannons but like two triple shoulder mounted laser cannons so sextuple laser cannons on the shoulders and it was a really really impractical build that looked so funny and was so fun to play like you know what game actually you should play up when you're done with this tell me it does the same thing in a way that people i think love even more yeah it's got similar amounts of customization all the way through. Is it, are you going to say Nier? I am going to say Nier Automata. Yeah, because that's that's the, like, yeah. replay it and replay it but, and but, redefine it but, and replay but, but, it. But also the way the combat functions, the way the 
the way the movement even is, honestly, like like a, a flying traversal aside, um, it's it's got a lot of shared bones. Oh, that's um, funny. Yeah, because it's it's like you've got a like you've got different weapons that you choose, and then you've got different skills that you choose, which kind of can fit in some of the the same ways that the different armor cores and stuff do. But like you've also got your ranged attack, which is a, like a, a little drone thing that you've got above you as well, and that changes depending mm. on what you equip. And it's like it's not it's not one to one, but no. it's 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 got the same. It's got similar foundations that I think you'll probably find a lot of really enjoyable similarities between the two. Yeah, that's that's probably the most compelling thing to get me to play that game. I've been interested in it in like a cursory way of like, oh yeah, I should get to that one day. But that game also maybe when I get to the end of Armored Core. Yeah, like that. Like also that game rules like in ways that Armored Core rules. Like right, it is got really really sick moments. Um, hmm. It's it's a little bit more like video gamey where like you know like like perspective changes and suddenly it's a it's a it's a side scroller and then suddenly it's a like a top down shooter like um like not like asteroids but you know like those 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 whatever the fuck they're called I forget the name of that Shmups. genre yeah it's a shmup um like there's a lot of that stuff and then it becomes a twin stick shooter um yeah what a fucking ridiculous term it's shmup I know it's, I know it's short for shoot 'em up but yeah, like I know I know <laughs> like I just said that. I just said that made up word and you and I both know what we meant. Yeah. And it would be very reasonable for no one else to have any idea what we, what I just said. Yes. <laughs> like, yes, it would be. Um, but yeah, like similar, similar space. Okay. Great music too. Really good music. I have heard that. How yeah. much did you play Nia? Uh, I got through two, I, I, I got through the first two, um, endings of endings the, yeah. yeah like like they say that, like the first three are the ones that are like the like you get the the meat of the story and then everything else is additional and optional right cool yeah so yeah just wanted to bring it i thought it was so funny that it took me like three months to finish the game the first time and it took me like less than a week to finish the game a second time also jeremy they they reprise a fight in the second, in the in the other choice playthrough, and it was the toughest challenge I had that entire second playthrough. Interesting, which which was then a very fun puzzle to solve. Cool. Uh, it was, and it was also just awesome. Yeah, yeah. Nice. <laughs> so I'm like, it, I'm, I'm sitting here like, hey, Jeremy, you should. I know. Like, you I'm, should play I'm, that I'm, fight. I might not go back before the end of the year. Like, I think I've just no, got, no, I've, no. I've got too much on my plate. But it is the thing that I would love to go back to. Yep. Yeah, I would be very, very keen to hear what you think if you yeah. did. Yeah. Uh, well, everyone, that's the update for the week of what we've been playing. We're going to throw it to a break now. When we come back, we'll be talking about one of my favorite games ever, The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Uh, so stick around and uh, we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Minimap Cast. <laughs> We've been. <laughs> There's a little callback for you. <laughs> you asked me as I was like, hey, I'll let me mute my mic. And you said, all right, are you muted? And I literally said yes, but I muted my microphone. <laughs> and you said, you're supposed to say yes. And then I said, I did. But <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear about that either. <laughs> no, because I have my microphone muted. Yep. So I could do a little bit. Um, hey, let's talk about 1998. Uh, uh, Jeremy was but Born. a babe. 
I was born. What? As in, I like I I, I had previously been born. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you weren't born that year. No. <laughs> I was almost though. Misleading, Jeremy. And I'm I'm I'm, an, I'm a November kid, so like I was the I, same week that Jeremy celebrated his first birthday. The world celebrated the release of the Legend of, of Zelda Ocarina of Time. <laughs> of, your, of Jeremy. <laughs> uh, no, of Ocarina of Time. Ocarina of Time came out November 1998 and uh, has been wi- widely acclaimed to be one of the greatest games of all time. As many of as many Nintendo games are, many of the Nintendo games of the Nintendo 64 generation have been called as well. Um We've had this on the docket for a little while, and we thought we might do it just a little bit of a retrospective, talk a bit about it, um, our experiences with it. I've, I've pulled together a bit of history, some details I'd never heard about the game before. Um, if you're a, if you're a, like a, a Zelda head, like if you're a, 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 a deep Zelda fan, you may have heard this stuff before. But so what, what do you got, Jeremy? I just realized that because, like, we'll also briefly talk about Half Life at the end of this. But I just, I just double checked the release dates of both of those games. They were three days apart. Yeah, man. What a fucked week that would have been. Yeah, man. There was also one I was, I, I was looking at the. I, I pulled together a list of noteworthy games that came out. I think, was it? Banjo Kazooie and Castlevania Symphony of the Night, or was it? Uh, Symphony of the Night. Banjo came out like three days away from something else. Oh, I see. Right. Um, Also in that year, it was like you know the year might have been not so incredibly jam packed end to end as it used to be or as it is now. But Symphony of the Night was ninety seven. But yeah. Oh, was it? Fuck. Damn it. I, I I thought I I thought I checked that shit. Maybe it was like a, a release on a different platform yeah, that was maybe. on the list I was looking at. Um, fuck! I hope I hope my list isn't completely screwed up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, while you're talking, I'm gonna go through your list. Yeah, it's just in the under the top yeah, of the show. Yeah, yeah. Most like I because I I put one in the first time and I'm like, that's not right. It was Gran Turismo, and it got an award in 1998 right. because it came out in 97, and that's why it was on the list. I was and I'm like, oh, that's so annoying. Anyway, um. Let's talk about The Legend of Zelda. So I brought together a few different uh, tidbits about the game uh, and about how it was developed. So it was developed by the same group, the EAD department in Nintendo that was tasked with transferring their properties from the 2D generation of SNES titles into the 3D uh, era. Um, Same group who worked on, or a number of the same employees who worked on uh, Mario 64, and I think Star Fox, and also this game, Ocarina of Time. Um, it was originally being developed for the ill-fated 64DD, which was the uh, disk drive attachment for the Nintendo 64. Um, it it was no longer... They, they moved it away from the disk drive attachment. Um, there, I was reading this because back, back when the 3... when the 3DS remake came out, Iwata brought together a number of the original developers and had a discussion about how the game was created and that went up on his... He had like a, a series of interview blogs with employees of the company called Iwata Asks. Um, and he did a whole bunch of them on Ocarina of Time around this time. And uh, they were running into an issue with uh, data latency reading things off the disk drive. 
in a way that you didn't get when you were reading the game off of a cartridge because the cartridge was a more near instantaneous or a much, low, much, much, much lower latency read method for uh, reading data from the game cartridge or from the game files. Um, they weren't getting latency. What they were running into a problem with the latency, they had so many animations for Link. They said they made about 500 different animations for Link. Um so they needed to have those read times cycled through really quickly because they couldn't store all of them in RAM. Uh, so they had to go to the cartridges because on the disk drive, ac accessing those different animations and having there be wait time between the animation like playing after the request was sent, it meant that Link was unable to be moved until his animation played. Right. So they, they were waiting for the disk drive to read the animation before Link could move to in time with the action that was prompted by whatever was happening in game. He would just stop moving. And they were like, oh, well, we got to get away from this. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but when I was doing some of this research, I, I went through the Wikipedia page and I went through their, their resources, their, their, their linked posts. And I saw this very interesting um, write-up on the game. It was a preview uh, from a, a magazine called GamePro, issue 103, volume nine number four it's uh -huh. back from 1997 and like i said it was a preview and it was in this section they called uh role players realm future fantasies and you could see uh a bunch of in progress screenshots of the game one of the screenshots is like um uh did you ever see that that tas speed run of zelda that they did at um, one of the GDQs recently where they used Taspot to like rewrite the game and sort of recreate scenes from the game that people saw in pre-release footage that was cut. No, I've, I've not seen that. It, it's a fascinating run. It, it's, it's quite an homage to Ocarina of Time. Um, I definitely recommend uh, looking that up. But this has some of those images that they referenced where Link opens up a, a really ornate like sort of ancient chest and the Triforce itself pops out of it. That never happens in Ocarina of Time. Nothing even close to that happens. Yeah, right. Um, and so it's, a, it's, it's, it's interesting seeing that here. But the reason I mentioned it is because it's a very, it's an interesting write-up um, for the time. So this was 26 years ago. And I thought I'd just read it out. Apparently, <laughs> looking at it now, I didn't see the author. The author on the, on the for this write-up on this, magazine is mm. called burnhead this is by burnhead cool Read, writing about the legend of zelda 64 rpg fans are drooling over the prospect of the legend of zelda 64's release so far very little official information is available but a few facts have already leaked out shigeru miyamoto nintendo's resident game guru and the man behind super mario 64 and the previous zeldas is heavily involved uh let me uh, blah 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 uh, Zelda 64 is an action RPG with real-time fighting sequences. The red-headed hero, Link, which I thought was interesting, red-headed, is back, looking older and bigger than he did in the SNES version. Weird. Yeah, Graphically, weird. <laughs> graphically the game abandons the 16-bit version's overhead view in favor of the multiple views seen in Super Mario 64. Not saying the word 3D here at all. Also gone are the cartoon-style characters that prohibited many details. In close-ups, Link now shows distinct facial ex expressions. Run and slash swordplay dominates the gameplay, though Link will probably carry bombs, boomerangs, a bow and arrow, and other special items as he did before. 
The most intriguing aspect of the gameplay is the presence of the 64DD, the disk drive memory storage peripheral Nintendo may release by Christmas 97 for $150 to $200. Zelda 64 with its huge worlds and complex storyline will undoubtedly utilize the 64DD and in fact may be bundled with the unit upon release. That's just a little bit of history that ended yeah. up being very incorrect in a number of ways. Yeah, it was also, sure was. <laughs> and also had just so many different uh, little inaccuracies in there. Yeah. Um, but I'll post the link in chat for people watching live if you want to see those, those in-progress screenshots. Um, they've got like one enemy and Link and the Triforce and that's it. They put that one <laughs> enemy in like five of the screenshots and the, the sword looks wrong and like it's, it's very interesting. Um, but anyway, moving on. Other details. Uh, so when they were developing the game, they were worried about catering for the size of the game. The game was... They were worried about the game being too large. So uh, Miyamoto, in the early stages, had concepted a design for the game of letting Link explore Ganon's castle as a hub area, with all of the different rooms of the castle being bespoke, um, like, sort of experiences, adventures... Um, like I think sort of being a magic castle, they'd have like a forest room and a lava room or, or a lava trial or something like that. Yeah. Um, and, and like, that, and they kind of like Mario 64, exactly like Mario 64. Yeah. They knew how to make it like that, where they had all of the different worlds segmented from a hub area. Yeah. They could fit the size of the game in if they could delineate the game like that. Yeah. Cause they didn't know how to make Ocarina of Time yet. They hadn't made it yet. Yeah. Yeah. And so this was sort of like a, a, a fallback. If they couldn't, if they couldn't make it as grand as they wanted, what was a way that they could scale it back? And actually, it was part of the way that they concepted this out. That when Miyamoto was like working with prototypes and stuff like that, um, was a large part of what went into the Forest Temple boss fight in the game with Shadow Ganon, where you enter the boss room and uh, Shadow Ganon rides a horse through paintings on the wall, and he runs through them in and out and stuff like that. And that was apparently concepted or maybe even partially created during that phase when that was going to be one of the adventure rooms yeah right which i thought was very it was very funny thinking about how how the game was so big they didn't know how to make it at the time yeah. i mean of course yeah. it was a it was a groundbreaking game at the time yeah. yeah of course it would have been terrifying to make before it was created yeah right uh i think many people have heard this but uh when uh when you think of ocarina of time you think of Navi, no doubt. And yes. Navi was uh, sort, sort of came about, was created as a UI element first and then introduced into the story. Um, Navi came from the term of navigation marker that was developed to help visualize the Z-targeting camera mechanic in the game. Um, when they used the Z-targeting to start with, players that were targeted were just, or items or enemies were just indicated by an upside-down triangle. And designers found that very impersonal. Um, and so they just whipped up a way to make it more Zelda-like, and they used the fairy, the fairy that we know, and then all of a sudden it became an easy way to turn it into more of a diegetic system where Navi was literally helping Link navigate things and helping him to focus on enemies in-game. It wasn't just a an abstract UI element, it was a character in the world, and then Navi was written into the story and started giving you hints and could change different colors depending on what she locked onto to help you know that that was a like an interactable item and that was an enemy and whatever. Um, so yeah, that's 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 a pretty tried and true story, but it's fascinating to hear 
a system like that that's so well known being developed from such an obscure pathway, you know? And it's also interesting that like that is not a thing that like like that doesn't get caught on. That's not a thing that we have now. Now we just have it as a UI element. But it's interesting that they tried to bring it into the game and that is not a thing. That is one of the few things in, in Ocarina that has not continued as a mainstay for video games. For a for a game yeah. that kind of like defined genre for a very, mm-hmm. very long time and came up with systems that are still now being used. Um, mm. that is one that just did not catch. And I and I don't even, I don't even I'm not even looking at that going like, oh it should have, because I realistically don't think it should have. I think be, yeah. like we can understand UI. Um but yeah, that's the thing. Like, we we grew to understand that it's okay to have some gamey things. Yeah, totally. Yeah, but it's interesting that it that it that they they did bring us uh, an in like a diegetic uh, solution to a system, which now we just happily accept the system. Yeah, and that's that's a that's a that's a um, you know like a symptom, I guess, of a number of things. Um, and you're right; they didn't they didn't they had it in Majora's Mask because you still had a fairy in that game, but. By the time we got to the next game on the next system, Wind Waker, that it's always been just UI elements. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they didn't stick with it for long, but it's the same concept. Oh, pardon me, dropping the pen I'm fiddling with. Um, it's the same concept as Lakitu in Super Mario 64. How Nintendo was so worried that players wouldn't understand, and maybe they were right. I don't know. I was one when that game came out, but um, that players wouldn't understand the concept of a camera a like a camera. loose camera yeah. in the world that you could control so they they show you at the start the Lakitu cameraman that like swings around and it's like oh this is this is the floating camera in the 3d space and when you're looking at mario it's because Lakitu is following him with the camera yeah um, which is funny because the very beginning of that game is a floating camera um yeah and so they kind of solve their own like thing and like mm. we've had animation <laughs> yeah totally yeah. like it's it was it, it, it was an very overcorrection that, almost in a way. Yeah, the things they thought to go in for and um and the things they didn't think to. Like it's it's so funny they had such a sophisticated solution for conceptualizing camera control. Yeah. Meanwhile, the controls themselves were heinous. Because <laughs> like they hadn't figured it out yet. Like yeah. they didn't figure out camera control properly for years. Yeah. Although Ocarina of Time, I think, did a pretty good job um with the Z targeting. Uh yeah, and there's I had a, a sort of note at the bottom here. Um, there's not really much we can say to it in this. I can tell you what I've seen. But um, for those interested, there was a, a fan project, not only the one I just mentioned, the Taskbot run at GDQ, which I definitely recommend everyone watch if you're interested in Zelda. But there was another fan project um, that I saw highlighted by the speedrunner ZFG, who does a lot of Ocarina of Time speedruns and has done for more than a decade at this point. What they did was they recreated a demo that was presented at a conference called Space World or a convention called Space World um, in 1997. Um, you know, that there was a, a while ago where Nintendo, there was a massive leak of Nintendo internal documents and like data files and stuff like that. And fans were able to look at that data dump and recreate some of the files from that. Yeah. Plus looking at like testimonials and people who had actually played the demo. And so they started, they, they did their best to recreate as much as they could from that demo. Um, as well as just grabbing straight up files from that data dump and recreating from there. And what what you see is a bunch of really, really early incomplete like beta maps for temples where a lot of the geometry and the design is really, really simple, really, like really simple where you look in a kind of a way where it's like, you know, the first 
uh, dungeon in that game is the Deku tree where you go inside it. And it's like, it feels like a tree, you know, that like a lot of the shapes are quite irregular and, and angled and, and for being like harsh polygons, it looks quite organic for the setting. They yeah. sell it. The first version of that tree looks like something that I would struggle to make competently in my first year working in Unity. You know, it's blocks. It's like a it's like a, a straight cylinder and and like tubes coming straight out from the thing. It's like it's harsh, primitive objects everywhere. Yeah. It's like, whoa, it's so interesting to see. Also, like like um concepts of abilities that never made it into the game like every time you got one of the 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 the, the sage seals at the end of a temple that was meant to um have an associated ability alongside it uh like being able to turn into if you got the light medallion you could turn into a ball of light and like fly around the map and that was or like some of these were like elevated concepts i don't remember how much of this was like fan versus found you know there's a bit of creative license in it but anyway for anyone who's interested, I recommend just looking up, just look up Space World Demo ZFG and you'll either find the four-hour VOD where he plays through the whole thing or he's got a number of highlight videos from his like main channel where it's cut down to like, I think it's four different videos, about an hour total of like actually cut together so you can see all the highlights. Um, it's really, really fascinating stuff mm. if you're interested in the, the, what Ocarina of Time looked like before we saw it. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's... That that that's very cool. There's a lot of like, it 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 it's fun seeing that stuff. Like, and I wish we got more of it. And I think it's a yeah, shame totally. that like, I think got it, a bit of it with Wonder recently in a, in a Nintendo game. Like they showed off some of the 3D models yeah, they made yeah, for totally. Wonder, and they look so weird because it's 2D. I, I want I want to see the I want to see the old stuff. I really want to see the like like I know like like. Uh, like we'll talk about them a little bit later, but like like Daniel O'Dwyer and Oclip have put up that video game archive channel, which is just like a bunch mm. of like VHS tapes that they have and just they've uploaded and digitized all of them. And there's like, you know, E3 press conferences in 1080i and there's the like, there's there's a Space World demo, not 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 97, but it's from the year 2000. And it's right. got like um early like, like render target looking stuff of from like 3D Pokemon games and... And there's yeah, like a, wow. a, a Lincoln Ganon fight in the middle of there and, and stuff. And it's. Oh, is that like the GameCube showcase? Yes. Yeah, it was the GameCube yep. showcase. Um, and like having that in its, in its like full glory, in its like, in its original resolution. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I don't Nintendo have a lot of that stuff because what they've also put up is they have a tour of Nintendo's internal museum. Um, oh, wow. Which is, I think, just for employees only or. It'll probably get made public soon because they're turning the old Nintendo office into a place that fans can go and visit eventually because mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're opening new offices. They just soon. built that gigantic new facility. Yeah, but they've kept the old one and, and they've got a museum there with a bunch of stuff. And so my understanding is that's what they're going to turn the, the old building into. Um, the, they, they, there's, there's a video there on the Noclip Archive channel where they have like a, like an internal walkthrough where they just go through and just film a bunch of stuff. And there's a ton of, like there's some Zelda stuff, there's like some Metroid stuff and Mario stuff. Um, yeah, it's cool. really cool. It's really cool stuff. Um, but I wish Nintendo would put some of that out because there's a treasure trove of like history there. Like history, yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, so yeah, those are all the little tidbits, but... um. I don't know. We've spoken about our history with, with, with this game, but it's a very important game for me. Um, you know, I remember watching 
my cousins play it when it came out and yeah. we didn't have a console yet and we were like whoa this is amazing and I remember my brother's a bit older than I was and um that it was that christmas we we got the the 64 and with zelda and mm. you know it's it's not just zelda i remember playing with with dan and you know it was all games i remember watching or um playing mario kart maybe with the second controller but i i loved watching him play zelda and i loved trying to play the first levels by myself and it was so hard as for a three-year-old yeah um i you know i didn't beat this game till i was like 18 yeah but <laughs> um i'm just so 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 fond of it i the the sound effects and the visual design it's like it it's not an all-timer for me in like a critical sense it's an all-timer for me in like a sentimental like a developmentally significant sense you know it's just like it's a part of my life kind of a thing (laughs) yeah but i i'm I'm trying to remember what your because you didn't you didn't have a 64 or like a gamecube even did you so you came to ocarina of time much later yeah like i've only played it on the 3ds um yeah and like i didn't particularly like i didn't click with it like it's one it's one of those games where like i'd love to go back as i would with like a lot of really old games like like those like those pillars of 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 medium Mm. um like that's on my list of ones like i should be i should beat this before i die basically um (laughs) like you know it's a it's a it's a it's it's on the you know it's it would be in the top 15 of like 101 games you should play book yeah um yeah and so it's up there for me but like i've i've not i've not played much of it like i've done i think i did one or two temples um on so the, you on didn't the get to adult link i think i just got to adult link and okay. I and I think that was that was where I I kind of stopped. But I, like I was playing it on the 3ds, and I like I, I was just kind of just going through it. I was, yeah, just I, casually, yeah. just yeah. Like I was I wasn't sitting down being like I'm going to play Ocarina of Time. It was like now nah, just I've got this. You're game. Like, I've got gonna, this. Yeah. Like I, the only reason I bought it is because I I remember when I bought it because I was in the city with one of my friends, and I looked down and there was a fifty dollar note on the ground, and so I just picked it up and I went, great. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like 15. Yeah. <laughs> and so I just took it straight to EB Games and I was like, well, what can I get for $50? God, that's so funny. And so for $49 <laughs> was that game. And I went, great, yeah. cool. And I took it An older 3DS game. <laughs> it wasn't that old at that point, but like- Oh, it was, wasn't it? Uh, it was probably about a year old. Two or um, three. Because it was a launch game, wasn't it? Or near launch? Oh, was it? Okay, maybe, maybe I think it launched with the with the console. Right, okay. okay. Maybe it would have been a couple of years old then. Um. Uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be I'd be fascinated to hear what you think of it. Don't play it on NSO because it's got terrible input lag. Yeah, right. Um, play it literally anywhere, anywhere else. Um, don't play it on the Switch. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> what, what a fuck up. One of that remakes coming soon. I, you know, I've now that I've said it, ZFG, uh, the speedrun I was talking about before, he did an excellent showcase of as someone who's like intimately familiar with every detail of that game yeah it was so funny seeing him he he had like a highlight video of him trying the nso version and trying tricks and and skips and stuff like that but then even just going to the different temples like he was the one who showed he had that tweet go viral of showing all the graphical inconsistencies of for some reason links gauntlets in fire temple are blue yeah just in Fire Temple, yeah. Just in the Nintendo Switch Online version, and like the in the Dark Link room, it's meant to look like really foggy and like like uh, 
kind of endless, um, but the shaders are just broken and the water is fucked up and you just see the edges of the room. Yeah. It's just a big square box. And it completely ruins the illusion of yep. one of the most memorable like boss fight rooms in the series, like ever. <laughs> it's completely yeah. fucked. I, mean, I know they went back and patched it, and the input lag's better than it used to be. But like, it's the it, most it's, current iteration is garbo. <laughs> it's still not what it was, which is the thing. No, that's, no, no. It's wild. They didn't. They didn't bring it up to par. It's no. still below. It's just less bad. <sighs> anyway. Bloody Nintendo, keep 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 it up with the own goals. I uh, I, um, I went through your list of games that came out in 1998, and I I added one or two, and also added a couple things. If you want to go through it, were any of them wrong? Uh one of them. Oh, was. not Pokemon Stadium. Yeah. I, I wrote that. I'm like, oh, I didn't check it. I just saw it. I was like, oh, yeah, no, no, Pokemon. A, yeah, no, not that one. Damn that, it. That's 1999. Oh, yeah. all right. What the? Maybe it came out. At, maybe did it come out in Japan in 98? oh you know what it, you know what it might have been there's a really weird history with that game where it, it released in some weird like demo version with only like 45 creatures right. in japan um and then the full version of that game had all of the creatures but it was basically the same game it may have been some of that weird release right. funkiness yeah um so yeah other 1998 games that came out like it's important to point out that not only did this game come out that year and was one of the greatest games of all time there were like five more of those that came out that year and plenty yeah. of other fantastic ones besides yes uh so i yeah i, I wrote down a list before thank you for fact checking it jeremy <laughs> um and i'm just gonna read these are just some of the, the noteworthy ones there are other ones in here that were like that i recognize like uh Suikoden was one of them and i think tenchu maybe yeah tekken um, three yeah tekken three stuff like that uh, but here's, here are some other heavy hitters that came out that year. Just to give you context, we've got Resident Evil 2 on mm -hmm. the PlayStation. Banger. We have Half-Life, which, like, defined first-person shooters. Like, I guess redefined, because Doom sort of defined it earlier, and then yeah. this was, like, a whole new thing. And then anyway. Halo redefined it, and then Half-Life redefined it, but yeah. <laughs> Half-Life 2, yeah, no good point. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, Metal Gear Solid. Mm -hmm. Banger. On the PlayStation. Crash Bandicoot 3 Warped. Banger. Maybe the best Crash Bandicoot, according to some people. Uh, no, uh, no, but oh, four's, four's I get it. pretty good. Four, Crash Bandicoot. About time. Yeah, people like four. Do they think it's the best? I don't know. It's modern. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't, I don't know if I don't know. Okay, I've, I don't think I've ever heard anyone call it the best, but like, maybe I don't know. I don't. Neither do I. I don't know. I've got a soft spot for Crash to Insanity. Uh, yeah. Also, um, is uh, <laughs> is uh, Banjo Kazooie. Yep. We've got StarCraft and the Brood War expansion, which were both uh, terrific. Mario Party One, What's the very that? first one. What's that? Mario Party. I'm joking. <laughs> I didn't know how to respond. <laughs> um, uh, we got Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six, Spyro the Dragon, Pokemon Yellow, Grim Fandango. Star Wars Rogue Squadron, and uh, you added this as well. I did see this, but I didn't. I had. I didn't know much about Baldur's Gate One, but Baldur's Gate One, the first one, the role playing game, came out. The only reason I bring it up is because because of three. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I tossed that up in my head. I was like, eh, uh, uh, uh. we only have a three because the first two are good. So that's what they say. <laughs> <laughs> and and there's, there's there's a few more things as well at the bottom there. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. So you also found some general uh, uh, industry context. Yeah. Um, so 1998 was the year that Eidos Interactive acquired Crystal Dynamics. Um, I didn't know what was Crystal making at the time, but they, they made Gex, right? Uh, were they not making Tomb Raider at that point? Crystal? Yeah. I don't know that they, I don't, I think, I thought Eidos started making. I, I, I don't I, think Crystal made Tomb Raider to start with. Right. Okay. I, I, I'm, I'm not super familiar there. So like perhaps. Yeah, that's fine. That, yeah. And we were very young at the time. Uh, Retro Studios was founded in that year of 2000, uh, 1998. What is it? 2000, uh, 1998. Um, <laughs> it's funny to think that not that many years afterwards, they made Metroid Prime. Yeah. Like, what was it? Less than five years after that? Something like that. That's yeah. fucking wild. Yeah. Um, also the same year, Rockstar Games was founded. Yep. Holy shit. Yeah. Oh, which is funny because they did that tweet when they did that non-announcement the other day. That announcement of announcement. They're like, oh, we're celebrating 25 years. Look forward to Grand Theft Auto. Yep. Like, yep. What a year. What a ridiculous year. We're going to get to... We, we we touched on it recently when we spoke about how how bad of a year it's been for games. Um, but when we get to game of the year discussion, we talk about the many um, uh, high quality releases we've had this year. Uh, nineteen ninety eight. The, the conversation starts up of like twenty thirteen, nineteen ninety eight, two thousand and nine. Like this, these these are the years. And when you look at them, it's so plain to see why this is yeah. so stacked. And like to 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 move into just the I guess the final bit of the episode. Um, uh, yesterday I watched the uh, Half Life documentary um, mm. that was put out by Valve and Daniel Dwyer's new production company, which name I do not remember, but is not no clip, but might as well be. Um, yeah, uh, that no clip you can buy. Yeah, basically. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's really good. It's a really good documentary. It's got like, it's, you know, as, as nearly all no clip documentaries are like, it is, it is full of great interviews. Um, it's production value is, is like very high. Um, direction is usually quite good. I love no clips direction in the, in the, um, in their, they know when to include the, yeah. And they know when to include the question that is being asked and they know when to just include the answers, um, which Mm -hmm. is such a, such a skill to have. Um, Mm -hmm. But like they they talk about the development of that game and about how like like the the big the beginning of Valve and them going like let's make a video game and them going what video game do we want to make and like well we want to make a first person shooter so they went over to Id's like office um, mm. and they then took home a CD with the Doom Engine source code that's that's <laughs> how it worked. They didn't have a wow, license. That's amazing. They didn't have a license. Isn't li- that just incredible? They didn't have a license or an agreement. It was just like a we now have the source code. Like let's let's yeah. see what we can do. And then and then they, they went on from there and they were making two games and the second game had a bunch of great ideas that Half-Life kept on poaching from that second game that they then <laughs> they then ended up shelving that second game and everybody then went into the first game and it was about to be released and it was like they're getting close and it's, it's meant to come out in 1997 and cause they have, so a, it was Ocarina of time apparently. And they have a contract with Sierra game saying you have to release a game in 1997. And they're like, we're not going to release this. What we've got at the moment is not fun. We need to push it for another year. And mm. they were like, we know you're not going to pay for it. So all of that happened. And, wow. and it's, it's like, it, it's as, as is a lot of the stories from that era, it was a very touch and go for a lot of that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but you see a lot of really wonderful inspiration from that documentary and where they got like the design decisions and the location decisions and about how 95% of the textures in that game was made by one woman. <laughs> like it's like, wow. completely, like it's, it's like so much work for such a small team. Um, yep. and like one of the, one of the, my favorite things about it, um, was that they were like talking about how over 25 years, people are coming up to them all the time asking them questions about decisions they made and story decisions and world decisions and law decisions and decisions about names and all that stuff. Mm. And how they're like, when a game comes out and exists for 25 years, we have people thinking about the game for 25 years and asking me questions they've thought about for 25 years about decisions I made in about 10 seconds. Um, (laughs) 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 Which is so funny. It's so, so funny. Um, Yeah. Uh, there's there's a funny thing that happens in that where they talk about the delay that they needed to do for um for uh Half Life, um and like there's the famous Miyamoto quote where like uh what is it it's a a um like a delayed game's not shit but a late an early game might be shit yeah yeah a delayed game is 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 late and a and an unfinished game is forever bad or something like that um. See if you can get the actual quote. Yeah, because I, I can't for the life of me actually remember the exact words. Oh, it's been memed to hell. Know, it's been memed into absolute oblivion. Yeah. A delayed game is eventually good, but a rushed game is forever bad. That's the one. The quote is said to stem from Miyamoto's work on The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. That's the one. Announced in 95 and ultimately released in 98. So Gabe has his own one, which is very funny, talking specifically about Half-Life, which is almost the exact same time frame, which is... Late is just for a little while. Suck is forever. <laughs> and that is word for word. Suck is forever. Suck is forever. Uh, apparently Miyamoto didn't say this. Are you kidding? Uh, game Rant. Famous Miyamoto quote about delayed games. Uh, what's the headline? Could, could be misattributed. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, that's funny. That's so funny. <laughs> Uh, um, suck is forever. That's so funny. Yeah, that's at least enough. I, to, he, that's on camera. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I love that Danny got to do this doco for the half for the anniversary of Half Life, and you know they're doing a whole thing with Half Life where it's like it's free to download and keep right now for the week or something. Yeah. Um, and they introduced a massive 25th anniversary update, so they're giving it like high resolution support monitor high different monitors aspect ratio yeah, support they've, they've like added that. some extra content in like the multiplayer and stuff like that they've added yeah. like new characters and yeah yeah like nothing earth shattering but a lot of really nice little yeah, a, a nice things to have yeah yeah exactly um but it's so funny that danny is doing this official doco with them when he tried to get a no clip documentary with Valve for either Half-Life 1 or 2 or both and was either ignored or rejected kind like quite uh decisively like yeah. to the point where he he's he went and did a whole like community documentary for no clip about Half-Life but it wasn't it was not a it was a documentary not about being in the studio and what it was like to make it but from all of the stories that they could get from the community and the baddest release and what it meant to the people who it means the most to. 
So it's cool. Uh, to, it's cool now that both of these things exist. And on top of that, they also did a documentary um, on. Uh, oh fuck! What the hell's the name of the studio? Uh, <laughs> Arcane. They did many documentaries on Arcane, yes. who were making Half Life Raven Home, which was the oh, the the game that was meant to come yeah. out after Half Life Two, Episode Two, yeah. and. For the very first time, people actually got to see Ravenholm, aside from Intel developers of Arcane, yep. through one of Danny's no-clip documentaries. Right. Um, Do you reckon that was their foot in the door at Valve? Um, look, it or was... Or maybe, maybe it was in the works for longer than that. I, I actually don't think it was in the works for longer than that, because that was May of last year. And a lot of this stuff can sort oh, of... Last year? I thought that was this year. No, no, no. Because um, was, it was when Deathloop came out is when they were doing all of the Arcane stuff because they went through the entire history of Arcane. But, like, they've got a relationship with Arcane because they did Prey as well. Um, but, like, um, I, like, I reckon this stuff came through, came back a little bit later because um, I know Valve also do their own documentaries sometimes and I think that maybe they just don't want to do it anymore or, like, they just know that they can get someone else to do it at this point. Um, but... Yeah, like it's 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 cool that that has sort of come back around to it being its own thing now. So mm. yeah, I might I might cue that up. Might watch that tonight. It's great. It's a, it's a great hour. Like 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 Mark Laidlaw's in it as well and stuff. And so you get to like see it, like all the all the OG people all over in it as far as I'm aware. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also funny considering Laidlaw released his Half Life Three script a few years ago because it, at that point his NDA had expired, and he was allowed to published what he was wow. planning on writing for Half-Life 3. Yeah, 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 that's right. I remember that. And my yeah. understanding is it's, it wasn't the ending or something. Like, that. Like, <laughs> so funny. Half-Life is so weird because the first game wasn't meant... It wasn't meant to have a sequel when it ended, I don't think. And then all of a sudden, like, I'd- Gordon Freeman turns up into this, like, other city in this, like, random place like the city of the world that you never saw because all you saw was the facility and then an alien planet. And all of a sudden you're in city 17. It's like, what the fuck is going on? And they give you this whole like other world in this world that you never saw before. And then the game never ended. They kept going. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Still making them. Uh, Yeah. Allegedly. I mean, they made Alex. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's a 13 year gap from, Episode two to Alex. Yeah, I know. But but like but we knew that they had continued to make them because those cancelled projects are known. Like, you know, Ravenholm. Oh was, yeah. Yeah, like so like they've in a way been trying. <laughs> oh yeah, no, totally. Yeah. Totally. It's not like they were like, hey, 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 we're gonna tell everyone we're gonna do this, but we're never gonna do it. Like they never planned to do that. Um shout out to all of the inside gaming episodes dedicated to <laughs> Half Life Three leaks and rumors. Yeah. There's probably about a hundred of those. Yeah. Um, over the years, and and just articles and 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 more besides, um, but uh, yeah, it's funny thinking about this episode and all the things we've spoken about. I'm I'm thinking there are so many things I'm thinking about what I want to do after we finish the show. I wanna I wanna watch one of those ZFG videos about the the older Space World demo for Arena. I wanna watch that no clip doco. Um, I like, I want to play Halo. I want to play Halo 2. I want to go through the Halo 2 cutscenes. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah. so much like excellent gaming history that we've, we've, we're steeped in from this episode that I just want to go and experience right yeah. now. I'm so yeah. like amped. 
or Lethal Company, which is not a history thing, but it's like, I'm just so keen to play it. Yeah. Or Armored Core. I don't know. It's a good time. Yeah. Shall we end the show then so we can go and do that? I reckon. All right. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, I really like this episode. It's really fun. Contemplative. Me too. Reflective episode. Um, definitely give Lethal Company a try. It's yes. so oh fun. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> it's just so much fun. And and have someone, if you've got the capacity, have someone record at least one of the perspectives because we spent like a further 45 minutes after we stopped playing the other night just going watching back all. all of the dumb shit and yeah. laughing again. It's just so funny. Yeah. Um, highly, 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 highly recommend. Uh, but yeah, that's going to do it for us this week. Remember the game on cancer, Halo 2 cutscene, uh, table read is happening this Saturday, November 25th, uh, 2023. If you listen to this later than that year, then sorry. Uh, hopefully you can find it somewhere. Um, but if you're, if you're listening to this live this weekend, Saturday, midday, uh, and the, the Twitch link is going to be posted, uh, later this week. So stay tuned to our socials, uh, be around for that. It's going to be a really fun time. Um, yeah, if you want to see everything else that Minimap gets up to, you can go to minimap.com.au. Uh, we've got things like reviews there, other podcasts, previews from packs, a uh, whole bunch of stuff. If you want to make sure that you catch, um, again, announcements about the stream, you can go to our socials. Uh, it's at minimapau for all of the Minimap accounts. And on Blue Sky, it's the name of the, it's just the website, minimap.com.au. Uh, you can also follow us individually. Jeremy, where can they follow you on the things you want to be followed? Uh, at Obi-Wan Jez on everything but Blue Sky, which is uh, Jeremy at minimap.com.au. And you can follow me uh, on Blue Sky at KJ Palmer and on Twitter, that plus underscore 24. That was not clear to say. It was at, uh, at KJ Palmer underscore 24 on Twitter. Uh, no underscore 24 on Blue Sky. Uh, yeah, for those of you live with us on Twitch, stick around. We're about to start the post show. For those of you listening to us later, please make sure to give the show a positive rating. Those are so tasty five-star ratings. It helps us out a lot. And uh, consider joining us next week or on the weekend for this table read. It's going to be a fun time. Lastly, uh, you can support us on Patreon if you choose to, if you want to help keep the mics and lights on. Uh, you can do that by heading on over to patreon.com slash minimapau. And for five Australian bucks... You'll get 24 hours of early access for all episodes of the Minimap cast, as well as other benefits, all while helping us out greatly. We're going to go. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Happy birthday, Ocarina of Time, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>